What's going on, everyone? It's Indiana with another episode of S-Cubed, the Shill Sports Show. Today, I think we're going to revisit MLB since it is coming back in just about a week. I will be going through what I think each team is going to do in their division series against, well, per se, other teams. So without further ado, we'll jump right into it. We'll start off with the AL East. I still think the Yankees are going to win the division. Yankees are going to finish 28-12 and they're going to go 7 and 3 against Tampa Bay, 5 and 5 against Boston, 7 and 3 against Toronto, and 9 and 1 against Baltimore. I think the Yankees just have too much offensive power, even pitching with Garrett Cole, all those guys. I just think the Yankees are so well put together. There's really no reason for them not to finish above 25 wins in their division. So I think it just makes sense for them to go 28 and 12. I could maybe even be persuaded to 30 and 10. I think they are going to have a little bit of trouble with Boston when they go 5-5 five and five with them. Obviously, that's a well-renowned rivalry. In rivalry games, it's always going to be close. So next up on the AL East list is Tampa Bay at 21-19. and 19. I think Tampa Bay, so we said they were going to go 3-7 and seven against the Yankees, 6-4 and four against the Red Sox, 5-5 five and five against Toronto, and 7-3 and three against Baltimore. The Rays got some good prospects coming up here. Uh, Yoshitomo uh, Susugo, I think his name is. Uh, he's a pretty solid player, uh, up-and-coming prospect. They have Tyler Glass now, who's a great pitcher for the team. I think they easily get it done against Baltimore. Baltimore's not as strong as the other teams in the division, obviously. 7-3 uh, and three against them is probably going to be their best series. And then next up on the list is the Boston Red Sox, 5-5 uh, five and five against the Yankees. Four and six against Tampa, five and five against Toronto, and six and four against Baltimore. Red Sox surely have the offensive firepower with JD Martinez, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, but they just don't have pitching in bullpen. They have Brandon Workman, who's a solid bullpen arm, but regardless, I, I still don't see them going anywhere further than twenty and twenty. I think twenty four would be their cap, but twenty and twenty seems more realistic. 5-5 five and five against the Yankees is a little generous, but like I said, that rivalry, that's what will make the series close, in my opinion. 4-6 and six against Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay has the pitching to shut down Boston. And then uh, I think, yeah, Boston finishes 20-20 twenty and 20 in the AL East, which is good enough for a third. The Toronto Blue Jays are going to finish the season 17-23 and 23 in their division. I think they go 3-7 and seven against the Yankees. 5-5 five and five against Tampa, 5-5 five and five against Boston, and then they actually lose the series against Baltimore at 4-6. and six. Toronto also doesn't have the best pitching. They have Ken Giles, a great closer. Hyunjin Ryu, he's a very good starting pitcher, but aside from that, I don't really see them succeeding anywhere with pitching. Hitting their up-and-coming, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Kevon Biggio, they're all players that are up and coming so hopefully they can figure out what's going on with them there and hopefully those young guys can contribute in a big way for the Blue Jays I think their cap is 20 wins but 17 and 23 is probably a little more realistic for the AL East standings and then Baltimore Baltimore we have at 14 and 26 finishing last in the AL East I think they go one and nine against the Yankees Three and seven against the Rays, four and six against Boston, and six and four against Toronto. So yeah, another losing season for Baltimore. I think they're just gonna struggle against 
everyone in their division. They will find success against Toronto, I believe. I just have a feeling that Baltimore is going to actually end up winning that series 6-4. to four. So we'll see what happens with that. But 1-9 against the Yankees, obviously you can see coming. 3-7 and seven against Tampa Bay, 4-6. and six. Baltimore just doesn't have it, especially in the AL East against top-heavy competitors like the Yankees. So we'll run through the division one more time. Yankees are going to finish first at 28-12. and 12. Tampa Bay is going to finish second at 21 and 19. Boston third at 20 and 20. Blue Jays fourth 17 and 23 and then Baltimore rounds out the AL East at 14 and 26. So on to the AL Central, I have the Minnesota Twins actually finishing with the best record in the American League at 29 and 11. I think they're going to go 5 and 5 against Cleveland, 7 and 3 against Chicago. 7-3 and three against Kansas City. And if you're doing quick math, that leaves for a 10-0 and 0 against Detroit. I do think they are going to win every single game against the Tigers this year. Twins got some really good offensive firepower in Max Kepler. Miguel Sano can hit a bunch of bombs. Eddie Rosario. And I think overall they're just a solid team. They have a lot of depth, and I think that will help them in the American League this year. 29-11. and 11 and they will be your division winners in the American League Central. Coming up second is Cleveland at they're going to go 24 and 16. 5 and 5 against Minnesota, 4 and 6 against the White Sox, 7 and 3 against Kansas City and 8 and 2 against Detroit. The Indians have Lindor, Ramirez, Santana. They have a good core 3 there with uh, offense. They have pitching as well. Mike Clevinger one of the pitchers I say to watch out for, he could easily take the American League by storm and even throw his name into the American League. Cy Young, Shane Bieber, another solid arm for the Indians. Brad Hand, a good closer. Cleveland is kind of like Minnesota in many ways, just with a little less depth in my opinion, which is why I have them behind the Twins. But 24-16 and 16 is still a record to be proud of in the division. Finishing third in the AL Central, I have the Chicago White Sox at 23-17, and 17, one game behind the Indians. The White Sox are going to go 3-7 and seven against Minnesota, 6-4 and four against Cleveland, 6-4 and four against Kansas City, and then 8-2 and two against Detroit. The White Sox added Yasmani Grandal last offseason. Yasmani proved himself worthy in Milwaukee. Overall, is just a very good offensive catcher. They have a couple other players like Lurie Garcia, Luis Robert, the rookie, Yoan Moncada, Jose Abreu. They can all be solid players for the White Sox, and as long as they can figure out their pitching... I think the White Sox will finish with a good record in the American League Central. 23-17 and 17 is my pick. If they figure out their pitching, I could see 25 wins in their future, but Lucas Giolito is going to need some help in that rotation. Coming in in fourth for the American League Central is the Kansas City Royals at 15-25. and 3-7 and against Minnesota, 3-7 and against Cleveland, 4-6 and against Chicago, and then 5-5 five and five against Detroit. Kansas City just really doesn't have anything going for them. They have a couple good offensive pieces in Whit Merrifield, Adalberto Mondesi, and Jorge Soler. I mean, there's players that are just all right. They have a couple nice up-and-coming prospects in Bobby Witt Jr., but their pitching is just horrendous. I think Brad Keller is their ace, and uh, he's not someone you want to be your ace. So pitching is pretty much the reason I have them at 15-25 and, and finishing fourth in the division. 
Until they get pitching, they will probably be a bottom feeder in the American League Central. And then the Detroit Tigers. What are we going to do with Detroit? 9-31. and They're going to go winless against the Twins this year. 0-10. 2-8 against Cleveland. 2-8 against Chicago. And 5-5 and against Kansas City. What does Detroit have going for them? Aside from prospects, maybe. They don't have offense. They don't have pitching. They don't have a manager that sticks out. I don't, I I just do not see Detroit going anywhere in double digits with wins. Nine is, nine is generous, I think, for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about Detroit, but I, I feel like other people feel this way as well. They don't have pitching. They Miguel Cabrera is probably still their best hitter. And what is he, like 48 now? Jonathan Scope is probably their second or third best hitter on the team maybe you can make an argument for first but aside from scope and cabrera and those are already two names i really don't circle on my batting order i don't think the tigers are going to do much in the american league for the next couple years until their prospects start blooming so 9 and 31 to round out the american league central let's run through it one more time minnesota at 29 and 11 cleveland at 24 and 16 chicago at 23 and 17 Kansas City at 15 and 25, and then Detroit at 9 and 31. So then off to the American League West. I think the Astros are going to finish first in the division, aside from all the drama surrounding them. Uh, they're going to go 7 and 3 against the Angels, 5 and 5 against the Athletics, 6 and 4 against Texas, and 8 and 2 against Seattle. Uh, regardless of how you feel about the Astros, they still have talent. Justin Verlander is one heck of a pitcher. Just look at his career numbers. It's ridiculous. Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, George Springer, Jose Altuve. The list goes on and on. Jordan Alvarez. They have offense. And when I mean offense, they have offense. Explosive run scoring. I could see this team putting up six runs on a consistent basis. So, yeah, I think the Astros at 26-14. and 14. And then that leads me into my second that leads me into the runner-up of the division, the Los Angeles Angels. I think they're going to go three and seven against Houston, seven and three against Oakland. That's kind of a bold take, but we'll get back to that in a second here. Seven and three against Texas, and then six and four against Seattle. I think this is the year Mike Trout returns to the playoffs. He has added Anthony Rendon. Their pitching is still lackluster. If Julio Tehran can just be a little better, uh, he's got about a four ERA I think obviously he needs to lower that and then their bullpen again not very good Hansel Robles probably their best pitcher but I think their offense can maybe yield them to a seven and three over Oakland Oakland also has a very good offense that's going to be a series I'm actually really interested to see I mean the Angels got Mike Trout arguably the best baseball player of all time and he's still playing Brian Goodwin's a nice uh, offensive piece to Anthony Rendon Tommy LaStella heck you might even see Albert Pujols hit a couple home runs here and there still so 23 and 17 for the Angels on to the Athletics they're going to go 22 and 18 one game behind the Angels Oakland is going to go 5 and 5 against Houston, 3 and 7 against the Angels, 6 and 4 against Texas, and then 8 and 2 against Seattle. So Oakland, I mean they won what 92 games or something last year, 90. They're in the 90s, I remember that, but uh I just I don't know, I have a feeling that the Angels are going to finish one game better. Oakland obviously has pieces like Marcus Simeon. I mean, he a lot of people forget he finished top five in MVP voting last year. Matt Chapman, even Mark Canha can surprise you. 
Ramon Laureano is a great outfield glove, and he is young. He's got a bat that he is continuing to work on. The team is just very solid, and I think it's a little risky putting them third in the division, but it's something that I feel like the Angels are going to make the playoffs. I I don't know why. I just have a good feeling. So we'll see what happens with that. If I'm wrong, you guys, I am fully expecting you guys to message me and yell at me about it because I have told all my friends that the Angels are going to finish better than the Athletics, and they all call me crazy. It's not me if I don't have a crazy sport opinion. So let's see what happens in the AL West. Continuing on, Texas is going to finish 19-21. and 21. Not too shabby for them. 4-6 and six against Houston, 3-7 and seven against the Angels 4 and 6 against Oakland and then 8 and 2 against Seattle. I think Corey Kluber is going to have a better year this year. Lance Lynn, he will look to continue his good season from last year and we'll just see what happens with Texas. They have a couple offensive pieces but not really many. Joey Gallo obviously the one that stands out. Gallo is probably one of the best power hitters I've seen in the league today. I mean, he's got a sweet swing, and uh, if he gets a hold of that ball, there's a chance it's going 450 to right. And then last but not least, uh, the Seattle Mariners, they're going to struggle this season alongside Detroit. They're going to finish one game better than Detroit at 10-30. and 30. Seattle's another team I just don't see. All they have going for them is prospects, and uh, they just don't have it at the MLB level right now. 2 and 8 against Houston, 4 and 6 against the Angels, 2 and 8 against Oakland, and then 2 and 8 against Texas. The AL looks like this. The Twins are the number 1 overall seed at 29 and 11. Yankees at 28 and 12. Houston at 26 and 14. Those are your three division winners. And then the wild card would belong to the Indians. They will get home field advantage at 24 and 16 and then they will be taking on the Angels at 23 and 17. I'm not really going to go into playoffs on this podcast if you'd like to check it out. I did talk about uh, MVP awards and stuff in the first episode and second episode of my podcast. I went through the American League and National League. I just wanted to do a updated one based on records. And uh, since we do have a 60 game schedule, I know I'm not going into cross division games, but I figured division games would be something interesting. You guys would probably want to listen to. So on to the National League. So the NL East, I still have Atlanta winning the division at 26 and 14, 6 and 4 against Washington, 7 and 3 against the Mets, 6 and 4 against Philly and 7 and 3 against Miami. Atlanta's got Ronald Acuña Jr., Freddie Freeman, those two awesome ball players. Awesome. Acuña, young, up and coming, definitely MVP in his future. And then the pitching for Atlanta, it's not standout, but it's definitely solid. Mike Soroka, second in Rookie of the Year. Soroka is definitely a good arm for that team. And then Max Freed, I think that's how you say his last name. And then uh, don't forget, King Felix is on the Braves now. Not that Felix Hernandez has done anything remotely decent in the last couple of years, but uh, it's going to be definitely something to get used to to see Felix Hernandez in an Atlanta Braves uniform rather than a Seattle Mariners. So Atlanta, 26-14 and 14 division winners in the NL East. That leads me to the second team, runner-up Washington Nationals. Nationals are going to go 22-18 and 18 I think they go four and six against Atlanta, five and five against the Mets, six and four against Philly, and seven and three against Miami. Max Scherzer, 
Steven Strasberg and Patrick Corbin, that three-headed monster I talked about in my first podcast. Yikes, they are going to be dangerous. And if their offense can figure it out, I mean, their offense isn't bad by any means, but definitely a little worse than the rest in the division, aside from the Marlins. I think the Nationals are going to be a tough team to deal with. I could see them, even division winners, they could win up around 26 games if their offense figures it out. Juan Soto, obviously another young up-and-coming star, maybe an MVP in his future as well. So we'll see what happens with Washington if they can figure out their offense, but... 22-18 22-18 and 18 for now. Definitely can be persuaded higher, though. New York Mets finishing right in the middle at 20-20. 3-7 20. and 20. against Atlanta, 5-5 five and five against Washington, 5-5 five and five against Philly, and then 7-3 and three against Miami. The Mets have all the pieces for them to succeed, and they just, year after year, they kind of disappoint. Now, I'm not knocking on the Mets. I'm a Mets fan myself, but it's tough to see them disappoint every year, and I just think this is going to be another one of those years where they can't get it done. They have the pieces. They have Jacob deGrom who did injure himself but he said he's feeling good so hopefully he'll be ready for opening day for the Mets. Noah Syndergaard not going to play this season obviously because of the Tommy John. Marcus Stroman someone definitely to keep an eye out for. We'll see what type of season he can have with the Mets this year. Had a pretty good year last year and then they added a couple pieces like Rick Porcello, Michael Waka, obviously older guys but still they could show out for a pretty good performance once in a while here. Their bullpen should be good but it's not. I don't know why these players are good players and they just have problems. Edwin Diaz came off a reliever the year two years ago and then just got shelled with the Mets. Dylan Batances, hopefully he can play well for the Mets after coming over from New York, the other New York. Seth Lugo, probably their best bullpen piece in terms of consistency. But then it's almost like they're those are those th- three closers that are pretty good and then their long-term relievers are a little more eh justin wilson not as good robert gesellman not as good and then they have offense as well pete alonzo rookie of the year plenty of home runs last season more than i think anyone expected ahmed rosario if he can put it together he had a pretty solid year last year it would be nice to see him hit up right over 300 if possible obviously it's hard to hit 300 but Ahmed Rosario seems like he's finally starting to come around. Brandon Nimmo in the outfield, great glove. Still trying to figure out the bat. J.D. Davis. And then, obviously, you can't talk about the Mets without Jeff McNeil and Michael Conforto. Both really good bats as well. So, 20-20 and 20 for the Mets. Phillies, they got at 19-21. and 4-6 and six against Atlanta. 4-6 and six against Washington. 5-5 five and five against the Mets. And then 6-4 and four against Miami. Not much to say about the Phillies. You know, they're kind of just right in the middle there with the Mets. They have a couple good pieces pitching, a couple good offense. Uh, Aaron Nola for pitching, Bryce Harper obviously for offense, but uh, right in the middle, I think. And then the Marlins, three and seven, three and seven, three and seven, four and six, uh, 13 and 27. Marlins don't have anything going for them. They have Jonathan VR. That's about it, though. Maybe Corey Dickerson. But uh, yeah, Marlins don't. I mean, they have prospects again, just like all the teams that are in the bottom of the divisions. But I think they'll go 13 and 27. Not going to be very competitive in the NL East this year. So running it back, Atlanta division winners 26 and 14, Washington 22 and 18, Mets 20 and 20, Phillies 19 and 21, and the Marlins 13 and 27. NL Central is one that uh, that's going to be probably the closest division, in my opinion, uh, right up there with the uh, NL East. 
I think the Cubs are going to go 25 and 15. They're going to go 6 and 4 against Milwaukee, 5 and 5 against Cincy, 6 and 4 against St. Louis, and 8 and 2 against the Pirates. Cubs got a lot of good offensive pieces. Anthony Rizzo, Schwarber, Chris Bryant, Contreras, and Javi Baez. Those five very, very, very outstanding players. Uh, and then it's just the, a matter of if they can figure out their pitching. Their pitching isn't bad again, but uh, they just. They haven't found consistency. Kyle Hendricks, John Lester, we'll see what they can do this season for the Cubs. But uh, 25 and 15 division winners. The uh, Brewers will finish second. I think they go 23 and 17, two games behind the Cubs. They go four and six against the Cubs, six and four against the Reds, seven and three against the Cardinals, and then six and four against the Pirates. The Brewers have struggled against the Pirates the last couple of years, despite the Pirates being down. So that's why I have them at six and four. Brewers obviously have a bunch of pieces as well that are very good, uh, especially the offense. Christian Yelich, Keston Hira. I mean, Yelich, you really what? What do? You, what is there to say about Christian Yelich except wow? Uh, Kesson Hira, an up-and-coming prospect, he should be able to make a very, very good impact on the Brewers this season. Brewers added Brock Holt, Eric Sogard. Uh, Eric Sogard, a lot of people forget he actually had a very good year last year. Uh, batted around 300 in Toronto, I believe. But then Lorenzo Cain, you can't forget about Avisayel Garcia. The addition of him is going to help the Brewers. Omar Narvaez, there is your offensive catcher, while Manny Pena will be your defensive catcher. And then you can't forget about Ryan Braun. So Brewers second in the division, 23 and 17. Cincinnati will be third at 20 and 20. They'll be five and five against the Cubs, four and six against the Brewers, five and five against the Cardinals, and six and four against the Pirates. So kind of just even pretty much throughout every series. Uh, I think the Reds got a very solid team. They got Moustakis coming over from the Brewers, uh, Aristides Aquino, Eugenio Suarez. A lot of people forget how many home runs he hit last year. And I just think the Reds, you know, they're a solid team. They they just need to put together some team chemistry. Joey Votto, his time's running short. But if you look at their pitching, Trevor Bauer, he's going to be someone to watch out for with the Reds. Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, both very, very good arms. Is If the Reds can figure out their bullpen, I can be persuaded to see them with 23 wins. But until that, 20 and 20 is probably the best I can give them. Cardinals at 20 and 20 as well, 4 and 6 against the Cubs. 3-7 and seven against the Brewers, 5-5 five and five against the Reds, and then 8-2 and two against the Pirates. Cardinals are going to have a down year. The loss of Marcelo Zuna to the Braves is going to hurt them a lot more than everyone thinks it will. I talked about the Cardinals a little bit more in my first pod, or second podcast with the NL Central. Cardinals have Jack Flaherty for pitching, but other than that, Miles Mikolas maybe. Not really any standouts. And then the Pittsburgh Pirates at... 12 and 28, 2 and 8 against the Cubs, 4 and 6 against the Brewers, 4 and 6 against the Reds, and then 2 and 8 against the Cardinals. Pirates, not going to spend too much time on them, just another team that doesn't really have it. So, running through the NL Central one more time Cubs at 25 and 15, your division winners, Brewers, your runner up at 23 and 17, Reds at 20 and 20, Cardinals at 20 and 20, and the Pirates at 12 and 28. So the NL West is going to be a little more lopsided here. The Dodgers are going to finish 28-12 and 12 division winners, obviously. I uh, don't know anyone that can make a case for the Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, or Giants to win the division. Obviously, it's going to be the Dodgers. Addition of Mookie Betts, pitching, Bueller, Kershaw, Kenley Jansen in the bullpen. I mean... I don't really know what else to say about the Dodgers. They're going to be a great team this year. 7-3 and three against the Padres, 6-4 and four against the Diamondbacks, 7-3 and three against the Rockies, and then 8-2 and two against the Giants. So finishing second in the division, a little shocker here, but the San Diego Padres at 23-17, 3-7 against the Dodgers, 6-4 against the Diamondbacks, 7-3 against 
against the Rockies and then seven and three against the Giants. Padres got offense this year. They got Tommy Pham. They got Manny Machado. All very solid pieces. And then pitching, they're just going to try to figure out a little more. Chris Paddock, hopefully he can find some consistency for the team this year. Kirby Yates, bullpen arm, uh, closer. I think he can easily win a reliever of the year. He'll be right up there with Josh Hader of the Brewers. We'll see what happens with that. I'm really looking forward to a pretty good reliever of the year race. But yeah, the Padres at 23-17. and 17. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to finish third at 19 and 21. This one is a little bit of a head scratcher for probably some of you guys, but Diamondbacks four and six against the Dodgers, four and six against the Padres, five and five against the Rockies. I think the Rockies are going to put up a fight against the Diamondbacks and then six and four against the Giants. Diamondbacks got Madison Bumgarner, the Marte guys, Starling and Kettle, and then uh, just overall have a solid team but 19 and 21 is my prediction for the Diamondbacks Rockies at 17 and 23 they'll be fourth three and seven against the Dodgers three and seven against the Padres five and five against the Diamondbacks and then six and four against the Giants Rockies just another case of uh heavier offense not not even a heavier offense i mean they have arenado blackman and story and aside from that that's about it just those three guys uh no pitching really so i think the rockies are pretty much finished they shined and they had their chance to win in the spotlight but that was uh unfortunately squandered away and then finishing last the san francisco giants at 13 and 27, 2 and 8 against the Dodgers, 3 and 7 against the Padres, 4 and 6 against the Diamondbacks and then 4 and 6 against the Rockies. Buster Posey, I believe opted out to play this season, so that is immediately one of their best players gone. Giants another classic case of they have prospects up and coming but just will not be competitive for a couple years here in the big leagues. So let's run it through one more time for the NL West, the Dodgers at 28 and 12, the Padres at 23 and 17, Diamondbacks at 19 and 21, Rockies at 17 and 23, and then the Giants rounded out at 13 and 27. And then we'll run through the NL one more time. Your number one overall seed is the Los Angeles Dodgers at 28 and 12. Atlanta will be the two seed at 26 and 14. And then the Cubs will be the three seed at 25 and 15. And then a little bit of a surprise here, but right now, I know this isn't including the non-division games, but the playoffs would be the Brewers and the Padres, which is different from my prediction of the Brewers and the Nationals in my first podcast. So those will be your wildcard games. Don't forget, obviously, there's 20 more games to play. Most of these teams are going to have different records, but these are just the division records that I think and we'll see what happens. Uh, let me know what you guys think. And that should wrap it up for today's episode of S Cubed. I appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget to give me some feedback. Share it around to your friends. But yeah, that will wrap it up today. Let me know what your guys' opinions are. Tell me where I'm right. Tell me where I'm wrong. I'd love to talk about it. So thank you guys for listening. You guys have a wonderful rest of the day, night, whenever time you are listening. And we will see you on the next episode of S Cubed. 